I can't do that. They're taking away my self-esteem. I can't self-care like this. The, the, the fucking libtards, man. They ruined everything. They ruined my job. They ruined, uh, they ruined the weather. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna ruin the sun. They're gonna ruin, they ruined, um, preventative medicine. They ruined the doctor's office. Shit, man. I can't think of a single thing these libtards haven't fucking ruined. Uh, I mean, they're trying to ruin historical war games. Shit, man. Fucking libtards need to stop, like, fucking with our stuff. Fuck. Fucking libtards. Fuck. I, I'm just so fucking angry about the libtards. And now I sound like one because I'm saying the F word a lot because that's what they like to do. They like to curse performatively. Libtards ruined cursing. I'm so mad. Like, so mad right now. Angry at libtards. It's those two assholes. Those two idiots you saw me talking to at the third rail. Just he doesn't want to touch the third rail. That, that is the third rail, saying white people have interest. Third rail. The third rail here is uh, another wonderful show on our on the uh, TRS network. It's the third rail. You will be destroyed. It's the third rail. You will be destroyed. Watch out for the third rail, baby. That's how folks any opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or, in fact, the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Well, hey there. How are you doing? That's right, it is. It's episode coming up. Episode 214, how you doing, Borzoi? We're going to have the... I, I thought about doing this, but we didn't have time to do it. We should have spun this off into a separate show. I wanted to call it Sidecar. Oh, fair enough. But I mean, um, maybe but it's best not. Maybe it's best not to split the brand. Does the does TRS really need another podcast, especially one that's helmed by me? Is that really necessary? I don't. I don't one, I, one that's no, just going to fall need, by the wayside and not be one. ever done again. Yeah, this is going to be the one and only Tuesday night episode. <laughs> well, at the very least, it'll pad out our episode count number. So, you know, there's that. And we've got <laughs> to justify the, these. The only show of 200 episodes you can access. <laughs> we only have 14 available at any given time. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it is episode 214, and we're not really in the studio tonight. We got to be honest, we because of issues with the uh, IRS and, and, and accounting and HR and... and uh, Sven, we uh, had to take all the donation money, and we we bought ourselves a bar and uh, kind of a bar nightclub, and we're just going to be broadcasting, you know, on weeknights from there. You don't have to like it, but we do. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I got to know though, Specter, were you were you able to talk to the guy about doing? You know, I, I know this is your thing, but I, I want to make sure we can write this off that you, you know, blow and, you know, snow snort and coke off a stripper's ass, that business expense, were you able to get that done? I don't really want to have to deal with the expenses on that. That is actually deductible. Okay. So, okay. So yes. in, okay. Good. Good. All right. Good. It's, it's under the old uh, DeLorean statute. Um, if I was reading that right, if I was right, reading it wrong, we are going to jail for a very long time, my friend. <laughs> I think um, I think Elon Musk just gave us the show title already. Racist cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, and that's where Dr. Fraser Crane got to start, so it fits. Oh, God. Yeah, yep. that, that, that's that's some deep lore right there. It's still one of my favorite things that you expected a bunch of retarded millennials and Zoomers to get that your backstory was a Fraser reference. Yes. Well, you know, I'm going to drag you people screaming and kicking into Generation X, whether you like it or not. And speaking of Chinese sissy boys, Borzoi, like yourself... Um, <laughs> I don't know where we're going with fuck this. You, fuck you what, too, buddy. What is on the agenda tonight? What is on the agenda for us? I'm just writing down racist cheers right now. Uh, I mean, if you want to go for some... So, one of the things we're going to do at this show is a little bit more of like a casual kind of like stuff that slipped through the cracks type stuff because when we do our prep, we tend to focus on stuff that we find interesting and maybe the audience sometimes knows some stuff that we should keep an eye on. So, I have a thread on Bang where I ask people to send us some prep. So, let's see what we got over here. And uh, if you're behind okay. the paywall, uh, and I haven't banned you on Bang yet, you can go to the third rail prep thread and drop some prep in there. So, let's see here. This is why has a uh, recently heard a bit about mass formation from psychologist Dr. Mateus Desmond on the No Agenda podcast. It's a pretty interesting hypothesis, and I thought you might agree. There is some gay Nazi references to this, because of course there are, but I still think there's a lot of truth in it. Here's a link to a summary, and then the full interviews. That's something that sounds interesting to you at all. Sure, why not? All right, let's take a look at this. So, mass formation and consequent totalitarian behavior and homo sapiens. While writing my April 27th posting regarding the disturbing apparent increase in frequency of individual adult age immaturity within the U.S. over the last 60 years or so, I kept wondering if the science of psychology has examined changes in group behavior consequent of such a shift in background, new normal human nature. I could find references discussing matters related to normal and abnormal individual psychology everywhere, but nothing much to speak of concerning consequent group psychology and group behavior of homo sapiens. A recently posted video link on Norman Pylon's blog showed me that the science of psychology has has not, after all, neglected group psychology. The videotaped interview of Dr. Matthias Desmet, a Belgian clinical psychology professor working at the University of Ghent, provides a description of an established predictive psychological model explaining the rapid emergence of rather odd extreme behaviors in a wide variety of governments and their host populations coincident with the COVID-19 virus pandemic. So what, what uh, I... I'm going to... Yeah. I just want to stop you right there and just say that I'm going to uh, quote, or I'm going to paraphrase Nick Mason here, all practice psychology at this point should be um, performed with a hammer. Because <laughs> I don't know what a word of any of that meant. But I guess I you're going to tell me. I think what this is, I, I'm, I'm going to probably suggest that we kind of, uh, you know, punt on this one possibly. It's it's interesting, but it's it's basically talking, I think it's talking about uh, mass psychosis for the most part. And I see a, a reference to the Dreyfus case here. Uh, which is something we've actually talked about in the show before in terms of that, you know, you see a rise in psychosis and hysteria uh, after and within the midst of and during and after pandemics, regardless of the severity of said pandemics, whatever, you know, there's a lot of there's just a lot of historical strictly, examples, strictly, yeah. strictly disease pandemics or other like mass panics and, and such. Well, mass panic is related is related to pandemics. Like you'll see like, for example, there was the dancing plague that erupted in Europe and during the during the bubonic plague times. Uh, that's one of the right. most famous that, that uh, cases the, of mass hysteria. And that led to the like Salem witch trials and, and that sort of thing. Is that right? Uh, that was no, no. That actually no? Those, the dancing those two... thing, like the dancing in the woods and all that crap. No, no, no. So this started like this started in Strasbourg, in which is you know it's 
in France now. Strasbourg is one it is a city that's uh, it's in um, Alsace, which has you know been fought over by the French and the Germans for for many years. Uh, also, coincidentally, region very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Also, coincidentally, one of the most Jewish what was one of the most Jewish cities in uh, in Western Europe. Uh, the Jews of Alsace are have a long history there. Make of that what you will, but I, I, I'm pretty sure in, this occurred in this originally in Strasbourg. One day, people just started dancing for no reason. It was like a, dancing until like they passed out, and some of them even died from it because. And no one could like, to this day. They study. There's a lot of people who try to study mass hysteria, mass psychosis. This is one of the most famous cases. It's um, it's it's well attested to that there was something going on at this time period. What, why people were dancing in this way is still hotly debated, but it's kind of shown as a case of what, of possibly a, a reaction to these uncertain, uh, the, these times that felt uncertain, apocalyptic, plague-ridden. You know, you were seeing family die constantly from these plagues. I mean, you read you read contemporary accounts of the bubonic plague, and people really like people thought they were living in the end times. And considering that it knocked off one-third of Europe. It's hard not to fault yeah. them for thinking that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to cut loose, foot loose. <laughs> Kick off those Sunday shoes. Yeah, this is a very, this is very dense. I'm going, sorry, uh, <clears throat> sorry, this is why I think we're going to punt on that one. Yeah. But uh, what next see here? Next one we got is uh, the red just refreshed. Uh, earlier this year, men's health. This is from Pray for Storms. Earlier this year, men's health had an ethical man whore who had fucked hundreds of people of all genders and orientations. Give atrocious advice for an actual clown world concern. Uh, the title is "My GF has sex with other guys on OnlyFans, and I'm really jealous." It reminded me of one of my all-time favorite third rail segments, the one that gave the show title to "Simping as a Revolutionary Act." Now, this is Men's Health. This is a magazine that, going back at least, you know. Uh, I don't know, 10 years, uh, you know, they, they had really good, you know, uh, diet advice, exercise advice, this and that. It was always worth, you know, if you ever actually bought physical magazines, it was worth, you know, grabbing at the grocery store. Uh, you know, and, and then, of course, you notice that in the last, like, five or 10 years, just as with all advertising, television, media, and everything else, every cover just about was, could not be a white person. Had to be some kind of a black. Um I'm actually afraid to open that link, even though it's going to Men's Health magazine. Jesus Christ, this is horrible. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I got it. I got it on the script. So Zachary Zane helps a reader tackle the green-eyed monster in this week's column. So, oh, this is oh, this is from May. So it's not that old. Mm-hmm. So timely enough that we can, uh, uh, dear sexplainant. I've been dating my girlfriend for five years. Last year, she got fired from her job and started an OnlyFans. I didn't like the idea of her doing an OnlyFans, but we were both unemployed and needed a way to make money. She promised she'd only do solo content, which made me feel a little better about her becoming an OnlyFans performer. Then a few months ago, she told me that in order to really grow her OnlyFans, she needed to start having sex with men. I was really reluctant at this point, but we agreed we could open our relationship, but only for her to shoot. I didn't want her hooking up with other people outside of OnlyFans. It's been four months of this, and my girlfriend has now had sex with eight different guys. She also has Jesus. a bunch of guys flirting with her and direct messaging her. 
Honestly, it makes me sick to my stomach. Bro, I don't... bro, 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 bro. <laughs> She's not your girlfriend anymore. She's not your girlfriend. <laughs> She's everybody's girlfriend. Yeah. But I don't want to be uh, doing. I don't want to be this overbearing boyfriend, and she really seems to love what she's doing. We also need the money. <laughs> literally, literally dating a prostitute. Last week, she got she she got asked to go back to the bar where she used to bartend, and without talking to me about it, turned it down so she keep doing OnlyFans. I feel like it was different when this was her only option to make money, but now that she can go back to regular work, she should. What should I do? Jealous. What do you think, uh, Mister Sexplain It here is gonna uh, gonna say? I'm sure it's gonna be couched with words like "sex positive" instead of just "HIV positive." Um, <laughs> I I I I'm aghast to know. I'm I'm horrified. Just remember, just 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 remember, whenever you hear somebody you know say "sex positive," remind them that HIV positive has the same number of letters. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, uh, go ahead and read it. I, I'm just, I was, I was just, I don't want to go into the hypocrisy thing, but it's just so, it, it's amazing. Like I, I, I was talking to, um, uh, Lewis on, uh, DK's, uh, gamer review show. And I was talking about how I was looking for a simple mod to make all the, uh, the people that I'd have to fight in the game, all the, the, the warriors, the, the bandits, the, the forsworn, uh, male, just because it's more immersive and realistic to me. But that was deemed by Nexus mods to be sexist, so it was caught, tossed out. But then as I was perusing the rest of the mods, you could basically turn Skyrim into a pornographic game. And that's <laughs> Nexus, not sexist. Ne- Nexus, Nexus mods wanted you to stab women. Yes. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, let's go ahead and we'll, let's hear what the man has to say. Beat women, Nexus mods. <laughs> And dear Jealous, yeah. it, it can be really fucking hard dating a porn star, or in your case, an OnlyFans model. Even those of us who aren't the Jealous type can start feeling some sort of way when our partner has nonstop sex with other hot people, not to mention that the sex they're having always looks incredible. But remember, this is just her job. It's a performance. Your girlfriend does not love these men. She loves you. While you may be aware of all this rationally, feelings are hardly rational, and jealousy is the least rational of the bunch. I think it's important to remember that jealousy in and of itself isn't inherently quote-unquote bad. It doesn't mean you're weak, insecure, or don't trust your partner. It's a feeling, a state of mind. It's how you respond to your jealousy that can be harmful. I believe there is a world in which you can be honest about your feelings without it coming off as overbearing and controlling. It's all in your approach. I would say something along these lines. I'm doing my best to be supportive, but I'm really struggling with the fact that you're sleeping with other men. I know it's just for work, but I'm not sure what I can do to get over these jealous feelings I'm having. Notice how you're not saying you want her to stop sleeping with other men. You're not asking her to go back to her old bartending job, you're simply seeing if there's a way that your relationship can work while she continues her career on OnlyFans. Maybe you just need some reassurance and career. validation. Career. <laughs> the, the amazing use of the word career there. Spreading your legs in front of your laptop. Damn. Nice. I mean, let, me, let me write this down. Damn, bitch. Were those your only plans? <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Maybe you just need some reassurance and validation that your partner loves you and wants to be of you. Note that this isn't being needy. This is getting love and affection from your partner, which is what people in healthy relationships do. I can't take the rest of this seriously now. (laughs) With my ex, I had one rule in our open relationship. Every time he slept with a guy... Wait. 
Oh. Every time he slept with a guy who I thought was hotter than me, he had to come home and tell me I'm beautiful and he's obsessed with me. Admittedly, this was ridiculous, but that was kind of the point. It was an over-the-top gesture to show that he loves and cares for me, despite sleeping with other good-looking guys. Perhaps just getting that validation is enough to help curb your jealous thoughts. Just reminders to everybody. Like, I don't think our audience needs to be told this, but I'm just going to say this as a general reminder. If you're taking advice from homosexuals, not going to make it. Mm-mm. It's um, just a reminder that women women are just completely – they're ungoverned children. They will do anything at all for attention just the way a child will. You know, if you've ever uh, seen like a, a three-year-old uh, will run into a room when adults are like sitting around having, you know, a little cocktail hour or whatever. Um, the three-year-old, if, if if she hasn't been paying attention, like she might run into the room and like lift up her nightgown or something like that. And just, just to be playing and all that. They're, they're, that's what children do. They're just like attention-seeking. They're, they're just, you know, they, they yell, they scream, they whatever. That's what this woman is. Um she wants this. It's not. A, I mean, it is about the money, obviously, and that's what's horrible about this capitalist system in which we live, is that it drives people to do this kind of thing. And it's, it's what's so horrible about feminism that drove women to think that they needed to earn money to begin with. But setting all of that aside, and there's no saving this guy. So I don't even know why I'm trying to like offer advice. But it's like <laughs> it's not about your jealousy. Get control of your bitch. But it's it's too late for him. He's a lost cause. <laughs> Trying to remember what what Otto von shit post used to always say like some like of the topic of uh, <laughs> when it came up he'd always say something like the, to the effect of I'm not responding to this because that would imply that I believe that women have rights. <laughs> he said something like, you know, he'd always say something to that effect whenever whenever this topic came up where he basically he was just he just took the galaxy brain response in terms of discussing feminism. Yeah, it was something like that. Uh, I don't even know where to go. This democratization of pornography is just – it's made the world worse. I mean pornography made the world worse. Uh, this permissiveness, feminism, all of this has made the world a, a worse place. We're at the point where you know, you don't want to get involved in we, – we talked about this on Saturday, the, the Finkel think that is going to result from the Texas abortion law. You know, No matter how well-meaning or, or how needed that law may be, it's going to become a political football um, but it's just so telling that there's one side that all they care about is the ability of, of women to have sex with no consequence and to make sure that they're able to kill their babies. I mean, when that's on the other side, you don't really have to do an inventory check to make sure that you're on the good guy side. You know that you're facing demons. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the Homer Simpson holding up the always do the opposite meme, but it's uh, always do the opposite of what Moloch wants. Yes. Always do the opposite of what women want. <laughs> that's that's actually generally a good guidepost in life. I mean, uh, you posted it, I think, today or yesterday, but the whole thing about, you know, like the med women attitude of, um, he can't be gay. Why would I be attracted to him? Yeah. Okay, so- woman. <laughs> That's right. So for, for so for the for the audience, there's a there's a guy uh, we know who he's got he's got a Medi- he's got a Mediterranean woman and she he because she was like making fun of his music choices. He, we uh, he pointed out to her, well, you like Freddie Mercury, and she which was basically so what. And I had I had explained to him like you know the Mediterranean woman attitude is if I'm attracted to him, he's not gay. 
so he's not gay. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I I was actually having a conversation with a woman. I, I I know better. I shouldn't have, but I was actually letting a woman speak, um, or at least I was I was waiting until she stopped so I could make my point. But uh, there's the issue of like um, when men are uh, attracted to a woman. We don't care. I mean, we, actually, we'd prefer that she doesn't even have a job. But if she works at McDonald's, who gives a fuck? There's no status issues involved in what a woman does because we really don't care what they do. You could be the chief attorney for the top, you know, whatever. You could be a power player in Washington. You could be a self-made millionaire. It doesn't matter. You're a woman. We don't really care what you do. Whereas the whole status thing with men, it's like he can be fit, strong, uh, handsome, seven foot tall, whatever. And oh, he 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 always got a blue collar job. Ooh, oh no, no thank you. He drives a truck. Oh no, oh. And so that's what we're dealing with, and that's why you just don't want to talk. I mean, you just don't want to allow women to talk at this point. So uh, talk about them in third person is, is maybe the funniest thing to do. <laughs> like, why is this woman speaking? I remember Chef. Find a male. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember what it, what it was. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, um, you know, it, it's, I hate, you know, putting too much praise on the Taliban because we're going to get dinged <laughs> as like Taliban sympathizers. But and JP Exposed, you like, hear that? Oh, this woman Do you hear that? We have, a, a, we have, a, we have an Islamo simp among us, an Islamo simp. Get on yes, this, NJP Exposed. There it is. I'm an Islamo simp. Yeah, but it just I love the idea. It's like um, this woman has been speaking in public. She needs to be escorted by a, a male family member home and, and left there under supervisions. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, the why it's it's I, I'm I'm sorry I'm sitting here stuttering here because there's so many thoughts coming into my mind. But it's just like when um, like the standard go to in any social media, they're never going to do it in person because, you know, women. But, you know, if they want to attack you, it's always incel. It's always a, an attack on your sexual value. Oh, you like a big gun? You must have a small penis. Oh, uh, you have a problem with women in the workforce? You must be an incel. It's like, why is it that every the only value, the measure of value that a woman can make is sexual? It's like they have no other concept of value beyond sex. And I wonder if it's because maybe deep down inside they fail to – they only realize that that's what they have to offer the world, and that's maybe the only thing. Um, and, you know. <laughs> Apparently, I said this. I have no recollection of this. Chef has quoted me as saying, Boris White once said, listening to women talk is the only thing worse than the five paragraphs before a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't re I don't remember it, but I believe it. Yes, I support this. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about this. This poor guy. I mean, I don't even feel sorry for him because he ever. No, said yes. I don't. I no, I don't feel sorry for him. You, you, you uh, listen. I have done some truly retarded things with women. I, I, I am not going to for one second pretend that I've ever, you know, that I've always been on top of this stuff. But if if you allow this, you're not never 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 was going to make it. Mm hmm. No, and, and uh, I think that's, uh, I mean, 
we, we're not going to turn this into um, the, the the whole uh, manosphere red pilling bullshit. But it is true that you know, well, we can women, season a little women, bit. Women, women like children, like like any animal, um, actually craves discipline and craves being told no. And sometimes that's the best thing you can tell them. And you know, take with that take that as you will. But uh, it's gotten results as far as I'm concerned. Just be, I mean, just be a man. That's what it fundamentally comes down to. Yep. Listen, our retarded I'm, ancestors could. I, I, this is actually a, this is actually a point that I sometimes bring up, and just in terms of child rearing and, and the like with people, is I don't work. Like, there, there's there are important things you absolutely have to worry about, but I don't worry about most things because if our ancestors could figure it out, it's. I think it just comes naturally. There's, you know, that's not to say don't don't be lazy, don't be lax. You know, you got, you know, keep your pimp hands strong as, as they're wont to say. But it, it, it these these things, as long as you have the right course, they tend to work themselves out. As long oh, as, yeah. as it, 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 if you have the right mindset, it it tends to work itself out. And obviously, we're exaggerating here for one for effect but also you know just to, to make the point but no but no but yeah, seriously, I mean, seriously ultimately listen, women no 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 but seriously listening to a woman talk is worse than the five paragraphs before a recipe yeah okay that, that's, that's actually 100 percent true <laughs> sorry I that, that, out that there. we will not um we will not soften on yeah we're not budging on that one and i see one of the stories in the prep now is is it's actually from September second. I think we maybe even discussed this a little bit, but the oh, are we, uh, so wait, just are we in time about the are we, we don't explain it? Siding with the Taliban. I'm well, no, I, I just it was just kind of funny that you know after we were revealed as Islamo simps, or at least I was, that somebody else had an article in in the prep for it. But go, no, I'm done with the sex thing. But you, what do you think? I want to read this paragraph right here. When you're in an open relationship, you're often less jealous and insecure when you two are getting laid. When you're at home and your GF is getting plowed by a hot porn star, you're going to obsess and worry. If you're out sleeping with someone else, too, you might be less likely to be upset. Again, this is a Hail Mary. I'd only do this once you've exhausted other options. If you can't come to a compromise and you're still jealous, that's when you tell your girlfriend, I love you so much and I've really tried to be okay with you sleeping with other men, but I'm not. If you want to keep sleeping with other men for OnlyFans, we'll have to break up. I know it sounds like a harsh ultimatum, and you may think of yourself as being possessive, but you don't feel comfortable with what your partner is doing. So you're telling her that the current relationship style isn't working for you, and you're not interested in continuing it. It would be that it would be that case for any irreconcilable issue, not just making OnlyFans content. If she doesn't want to change how she records OnlyFans, and she very well may not, then sadly you two will have to break up. But I'm hoping it doesn't reach this point, and you two can find some in-between where she can be a sexy career woman, and you feel more comfortable with your girlfriend's newfound possession, profession. Zachary Zane is a is a Brooklyn-based writer, speaker, and activist whose work focuses on lifestyle, sexuality, culture, and entertainment. Imagine taking moral advice, ethical advice, relationship advice from a homosexual. I'm going to guess by, by that last name, possibly Jewish as well. But, I mean, gay gay is a race, so that fundamentally doesn't matter, so... Yeah, I. He's got the dead eyes. Well, he could. He's got. He's got. He's got the thousand cock stare. He's got. He's got the thousand cock stare. Yes, he does. Indeed, he does. Ah, uh, dead eyes like a doll's eyes. 
No one wants. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop talking because I don't want to say things I shouldn't. Who wants this? I don't want to go plowing somebody else's plowed field. I don't want somebody else plowing my field. Uh, okay, we're done with that one. <laughs> I shout was out. supposed to be like the lighthearted one tonight, but somehow you've, you've hit my trigger. Yeah, so a sh- shout out to Minesweeper because his post has, he, he just discovered that people are, are, are circulating this post of his. Yeah, yeah, I'm an informant for the FBI. I informed them that they are gay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we want to move on to the next one here. Uh, okay, this is. Sure. This is Guerillionaire. The UK releases a a convicted child rapist and murderer who was sentenced to life in prison on parole after 33 years, thus proving that the world is ran by Jewish pedophiles. Also gaslighting the paranormies to the number 33, but seriously, who would release this guy? We can't have only Packies raping the kids. We've got to release him so the papers can actually report about the child raping. And so this is double child murderer and rapist Colin Pitchfork is released from prison. Colin Pitchfork was jailed for life after raping and strangling 15-year-olds Linda Ma- Lindemann and Don Ashford, Don Ashworth in Leicestershire in 1983 and 1986. I don't know if there's much to say about that. No, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a grim, uh, grim, just the grim, you know, the grim reality of the situation. Jews gonna chew. All right, Kenny D gives us uh, something about Noah Smith here. Noah Smith and the trauma of being a bullied, nasty little Jew before realizing it's his only qualification for a job in American media. Uh, this is from <laughs> Noah Smith at No Opinion on Twitter. Getting picked on by rednecks as a kid sucks. So what did liberal Gen Xers and millennials do? We moved out. We didn't stay and work to build a real nation out of the people who gave us a hard time. We got college degrees that allowed us to, allowed us to escape to better places. Yeah, that was actually part of uh, a thread where he was talking about uh, the. It, it was a shame that uh, we, i.e. the Jews, never gave um, rural white people an identity that they could uh, coalesce around that wasn't quote unquote toxic, i.e. Southern or uh, you know anti-urbanite, etc. And the, and it was regarding this uh, Substack article, a guy writing about how uh, rural areas. Well outside of the South, as far north as Maine, as far west as uh, Washington State, uh, ruralites were starting to adopt Southern mannerisms or symbols or iconography. Um, and my argument was that it's really not so much that they're embracing Southern Southernness as much as the Dixie inside of me would love that to be true. It's that white people in all these rural areas are kind of clumsily begin, you know, starting to wake up and you know recognize a certain tribal. There's a tribal instinct, and so they're reaching out for tribal symbols, uh, you know, some tribal identifier. And ruralites in, in the Midwest, in the Northwest, in the Rust Belt, uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, they see these southern symbols as inherently white, inherently anti-establishment, anti—even if they don't know the word Zog, it's anti-Zog. They, they, it's like they, at an instinctual level, they know this is against – not because of the – Civil War itself, but it's against what America, the pig American system, is today, and so that's why you have even you know Michiganders starting to say y'all or 
you know, flying Confederate flags. Or when like I even in when, Pennsylvania, I've seen more Confederate flags. When I, Confederate when I, battle flags here. I went, I went to, I went to school, and I, and unsurprisingly, I went to school in a suburban Michigan school. The the mm-hmm. house that was next to the school I went to flew a Confederate flag. And my dad was always uh, annoyed with it, with it growing up. And I never, I, I was like, well, whatever, you know, that's his thing. But like more and more, I see what the, uh, you know, the meaning, like what that probably meant to that person who, who was flying that. Oh yeah, well, what you really need to be looking out for is see um, down south where it started becoming like uh, it actually became more controversial there because one, the, the, you know, just the high number of percentage of blacks in a lot of Southern states. And that's where they focused a lot of their deconfederate uh, efforts in the early 2000s is actually going back to the 1990s. Um, they were trying to get the Georgia state flag changed as early as the 1990s. It didn't work then as well as the Mississippi state flag. It didn't work then. Subsequently it has worked because it's been 30 years and God knows uh, the world has gone to shit, and America has gone even fur- further to shit in that time period. But uh, smart Southerners who wanted to still kind of uh, low-key signal would adopt the Bonnie Blue flag with a single star, or the original stars and bars, which most libtards would not have any clue. Much like, I mean, blacks don't even care about the Confederate flag, let's just be honest. But they certainly don't have a clue what these others are. So when well, you see the ruralites in, outside of the South, if they start adopting these, then they're really starting to get awake. Well, that's and the thing. I think they, that's a good thing that white people are waking up. The average well, white people. Well, that's the thing. Like they have. It's not that they started adopting it. They've always adopted it. It's just that now, because like, they they decide to table that for the time being to go after that. Now they are going after that. But that's always the reason. Why, that's why I brought up that story of me of me growing up uh, where I didn't see that flag. Because at least on a musical level, okay, would you think of Tom Petty as Southern Rock? Uh, I kind of do. Okay, yeah. I mean, there, he kind of he kind of you know straddles that. Would you think he, of the Would you yeah. think of the band as Southern Rock? No, not really. Now, no, so Tom Petty, I mean, he was out uh, an actual Southern. He's from Florida, and so he had a song called "Rebels" that was you know basically proud of of that. Of uh, he saw the Confederate flag not uh, only in the terms as a flag of rebellion. The band famously had a song which has been which was in the news last year or earlier this year. I can't remember when. About you know the, the night the night they drove old Dixie down. The band was a Canadian band. Now they did have one or two Southerners in that band as well, but the band was mostly Canadian. And the but these were rural 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 like Canadian types. It's just like that's always like there's always been since throughout the twentieth century and kind of, and kind of leaking into the twenty first century. The just seeing the confederate flag as this flag of general white rebellion and they allowed it they didn't like it but they allowed it for a time because they just didn't want to 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 trigger any of that kind of stuff i mean kid rock kid rocks from michigan he did the same thing he's i mean he, i mean oh, his yeah. whole thing his whole thing his whole thing's a lot more fake and gay cuz you know he's oh yeah <laughs> he, he 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 postures with an image that isn't true to his actual upbringing but you know what I get like the people who like Kid Rock. I don't. I have problems with Kid Rock, but I don't have problems with the people who like Kid Rock music. I know who those types of people are. And I That's know just, from from personal experience that if uh, Michiganders will dog on Kid Rock all day long, but the minute a non-Michigander does, you pounce. You pounce on that person. So, yeah, 
No, I, I, I get that. I just, I, I just see that, you know, it's like everybody's getting sick of it, and, and increasingly they see this as a symbol that hasn't been gay-opt yet by, like, the, you know, like the GOP trying to – in fact, the GOP has rejected it. Uh, you know, they, they've run away from it. I love the picture you have up right now of the guy who wrote that piece or that wrote that tweet that you read, Noah Smith. Yeah, no. Uh, he's a blue check mark. Um, his, I mean, that's it's like literally your point of view while you're sitting there contemplating the fact that you, you don't want to face felony charges for assault, but you're really thinking about it. You know? <laughs> what a what a punchable little piece of shit! Oh my god! What, well, that he looks like a, a wad of chewing gum. Well, that's all. And by the way, like you bring up, that's a big reason why I think they've pushed so hard for country music become very negrified and be, very hip hop oriented was because of that streak that was in country music, and because yeah. they, that 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 streak was also infecting. Well, I, I hate that. I shouldn't say it that way. Not infected. That streak was also present in roots in Americana music as well. I mean, that's that's why I brought up the example of band of people of bands like the Band and Tom Petty and all that. Like that stuff was be- like that stuff was becoming very popular in the 1970s. I mean, that's it, it fueled a lot of the a lot of the success of Smokey and the Bandit and the like. There was this general white rebellion, working class culture that was forming and coalescing. I mean. Obviously, part of the problem is that some of that was media-driven because they they were trying to figure out how to appeal to these people. So some of it was an issue of that you know the media was creating that culture in order to sell them product. But the fact is that there was this core, this real core ruralite constituency that was angry and was willing to you know to to basically hit back. I mean, they, it's not for God, nothing that, me, that the I... go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, no, it's, it's, not just, for, it's, not, it's not just quickly. It's not for nothing that the rural purge happened. I think it was in the 1950s or 19. I think it was the 1960s where they just removed yes. all these rural-oriented shows off of television. I was actually going to go exactly there. Uh, Green Acres, uh, Petticoat Junction, uh, a lot of those. They kept some of the westerns, but they got rid of those like southern uh, contemporary uh, comedies. And then, you know, a couple of years or a decade or so later, the first two seasons of Dukes of Hazard was like in the top ten. Uh, in television back then, but I, I you have to wonder how much it was just like a glomming onto the trend, uh, trying to like you said sell product or well you know as, as with were, so many other series like the, 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 you know they they introduce something they kind of get you on board because you know you uh, you like the the aesthetics the appeal the stories whatever it is and then they start pausing it up they start they, ha- all of a sudden your heroes start doing the pause bullshit. Yeah, and and I mean they they use it as a tool, but they have to tap into what the demographics were and what the attitudes of the of the people were. I mean, even going into the 1980s with Dynasty and Dallas, I mean they were basically doing like Southerners as like degenerate aristocrats, basically. But that was still something that people enjoyed. Like they like people loved the Americans, like actual Americans, not not like this what we're living through now, but actual Americans enjoy like. Ha- enjoyed the idea of having like like that texas becomes kind of like this you know this european style like like you know uh, machiavellian and and uh backstabbing european aristocracy type but through the lens of texas it's that's i mean that's america for you really that's i'm not going to defend dallas and dynasty but I mean, this is what no. they were working. This is this is what they were working with. That's that's what they had to work with. 
Yeah, they had to play with what was popular at the time. Um, I'm even wondering now that I'm thinking about it, now that you mentioned that, that uh, think about like all the, the edgy cartoons from the 90s, 2000s, and, and beyond. Uh, you know, South Park got became just, you know, the runaway and it's promoted everywhere. But meanwhile, King of the Hill from Mike Judge set in uh, a, a suburb of Dallas where, you know, it's just a, a very traditional family, a great family man, father figure, patriarch with good lessons. It's. It, I felt like they always kind of throttled any enthusiasm for that down. It never got a yeah. movie. It never was like. Uh, it was never like all of the T-shirts and all the promotions the way The Simpsons or or any of this, this other stuff that was more degenerate. So I, the, I, I'm only thinking out loud about that now. I'm now, the, but the, Hank the, Hill or, or King of the Hill is like a very unique thing, and it was. It kind of harkened back to some of those the things that people liked about the South or about Texas. The the problem with conservative types is. And we saw this a lot with with people like they're talking about like oh we don't want you don't want to scare like scare off the the skittish normie at the Catholic barbecue who's like like some kind of caricature out of the nineteen fifties. Uh, that's what they think rural white America is like. No, rural white America is a redneck with a beer gut who smashes beer cans and calls you a fag. That's what rural white yeah. America is, and I'm perfectly okay with that. But that's what that's what white America is. Yeah, and yes, <laughs> to the chat. Yes, we 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 are very well aware. Uh, Molly Hatchet, Leonard Skinner, uh, the Almond Brothers. Yes, that's obviously Southern rock that just completely embraced it. We're, we were trying to talk about the edge stuff that was like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not, I mean, so, yeah, it was like one foot in it, one but, foot out. So, I mean, so, I mean, like yeah. to their point, Southern rock was huge in the 1970s. I mean, like uh, my dad and a lot of my relatives had tickets to all kinds of Southern rock you know, bands that were going to go play. It's like it wasn't. It was not. I guess I'm glad they actually brought that up because it was not a regional thing. Like they were regional, but they had cross appeal. That speaks to the general feeling of white rebellion that was that's been very present in this country. Yeah, I'm still looking at that face, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I've got my lifting fuel for tomorrow. Ugh. Why do they? I mean, it's it's. I, it's chicken and egg, maybe, but it is. It's funny how the depictions of evil throughout history, going back two thousand years, three thousand years, always fits a certain caricature. Well, that I mean, that, that, we're, all we that's, have now that's, is like the doughy version of it. Well, well, no, that's literally what we're looking at is literally Rumpelstiltskin. This is This is Rumpelstiltskinstein. <laughs> All right. Uh, you ready for ready yeah? To but that's what one? that's what that was about. Uh, and, and you know, it was a good catch. Um, it takes more years and probably more important historical events before we become a nation that thinks of itself as a nation again. I got news for you, buddy. It ain't happening. This nation has already failed, and you will never see a coherence in it again because of the very things that you wanted and your people wanted. God, that reminds. Oh, that what, what was it? I literally saw this earlier, uh, I think on Telegram, but some guy, uh, he's uh, a, a, a senior uh, senior investor management leadership, basically one of the, the rich guys from Walmart, wants to build a new American city, $400 billion or something like that is the seed oh, yeah. he needs. And he says he wants it to be as uh, orderly as Japan, as uh, something as uh, – I'm, I'm blowing it now – 
but as orderly and, and coherent as like Japan or as Tokyo and as, as quaint as Oslo, but as diverse as New York. And I'm like, well, one of these things is not like the other, buddy. It ain't going to work. It's not. You can't have the other two if you have the diversity. My my only response is the Ted Kaczynski mugshot. Yeah, okay, keep running your mouth, techno nerd. <laughs> Ted was right. He was always right. Yep. He was... Uh, what, I, what would Ted say about OnlyFans? I mean, he, he probably predicted it, basically. You know, just technology being a way to turn women into whores... You know, at uh, push of a button. Kaczynski was not good with women, so I'm sure he's. I'm None sure he would are. not be. I'm sure he would not be happy about it. No. It's you know what the weird thing. I, I I don't ever want to see a current picture of him because like all the pictures we have of him are from the 90s. There's no current pictures of him, so you have to remember that it's been like 30 years, so yeah. or almost 30 years. Like he's he's an old man now. I think he, yeah yeah he's in his 80s now, so he doesn't and look even anything. He was a hermit. Even though he was a hermit, you know, what Supermax would do to a human being can't, yeah. you know, it's not going to be good. Like, yeah, he's he's an old man now. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I to, if, if I saw a current, if I, if I believe if a lot of people saw current photos of him, however he looks like, it would dispel a lot of the, um, the meme mystique around him. <sighs> That's more a comment on the shallowness of who we are now than anything about him i think well yeah i mean like but that's the thing like the 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 ted kaczynski is more because of the uh, because of his writings because of industrial science future and his subsequent writings he's he he's a figure whose ideas loom larger than the man which is why like people completely like people just completely ignore the fact that he murdered a bunch of people and yeah it's never uh, meet your heroes too <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, it does, it's 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 just because okay, like, so because of that like his his the image of who he was when he was arrested just kind of it just looms there and so to see how how he would look now he's just a man like I, I can tell you some like when when I read all because I have all the, la- the the latest editions of his of his major works and. These are the updated, revised ones of new footnotes and revisions and the like. And he's changed his thoughts over the years. And the fact that he did just kind of it, it kind of gives you a weird feeling because it's like, oh wait, that's right. He's a living person who's getting older and can evolve his thoughts. These things aren't set in stone. It's kind of odd. Yes, I mean, for somebody to, to make such a cultural impact, not. Because of the crimes he committed, but because of his his observations and his writings, yeah, uh, it's it's there's an old saying that you you never want to like uh, name any uh, like building or or square or street after someone who's alive because they will live to disappoint you. Yeah, you know whether it's they change dramatically with you know like all of a sudden it's revealed oh he did what to children or uh, oh she did this or that or just something as simple as as the evolution. From some great ideas to some kind of half-ass ideas that are, you know, and, and you know, you can't, again, the, the impact of living in Supermax for, what, now 30 years? That it can't. 25, that takes basically, total, yeah. 25 years on a human being. It's funny that, uh, what was it, Shalom Weiss was the last person that Trump pardoned on the way out. The guy is sentenced to 845 years in prison. 
Oh, yeah. You couldn't give enough doddering old Ted uh, a bone there, Trump. Come on now. Did you see the uh, the thing? So you're talking about like the uh, idea of uh, dedicating a building after somebody. Did you see the thing I, I posted from Baudrillard? Because it's just I, I, my thoughts been moving towards you know nine eleven because actually uh, you know nine eleven like the twentieth year anniversary of nine eleven is this Saturday, and I was What's reading nine eleven. <laughs> it was the end of the world. It, it was the uh, I was I was going back and reading Baudrillard's reactions to that because he, he's he kind of is it's kind of interesting that he's one of the last philosophers to really kind of see all that because he died in 2008 so he's i would say like the last really serious philosopher who's able to comment on this kind of stuff so i've been reading the spirit of terrorism uh by him and he's got this essay called requiem for the for the twin towers and he had this interesting quote here about the destruction of the uh the twin towers uh, let me uh Keep in mind, this was like written in 2002, so I know, like, you know, whatever you feel about what actually happened that day, just keep in mind that this is the time period that Baudrillard was writing in. Even in their failures, the terrorists succeeded beyond their wildest hopes. In bungling their attack on the White House while succeeding far beyond their objectives on the towers, they demonstrated unintentionally that that was not the essential target, that political power no longer means much, and real power lies elsewhere. As for what should be built in place of the towers, the problem is insoluble. Quite simply, because no one can imagine anything equivalent that would be worth that would be worth destroying that would be worthy of being destroyed the twin towers were worth destroying one cannot say the same of many architectural works most things are not even worth destroying or sacrificing only works of prestige deserve that fate for it is an honor this pro- this proposition is not as paradoxical as it sounds and it raises a basic issue for architecture one should build only those things which by their excellence are worthy of being destroyed take a look around with this radical proposition in mind and you will see what a pass we have come to not much w- would withstand this extreme hypothesis it's actually a pretty brilliant point yeah i mean like can you imagine people like decrying oh my god they blew up the walmart well and, and i you know obviously i was uh, alive and awake and i was i know exactly where i was that morning um and, you know, for the longest time, you know, we were all impacted uh, or most of us were impacted by the, the concept of, you know, the death, the sudden death of 3000 of our fellow American citizens. And that, you know, drove a lot of the irrationality that followed. That's something that you can't have today just because, you know, no one would care. I mean, there's a reason that, um, you know, the destruction of, of certain cities in uh, sci-fi movies is greeted with like uh, cheers instead of like anything that would approach horror. And, you know, so if, if you had another 9-11 uh, in New York, anybody who's not in New York would be like, mm, fuck them. I don't care. I hate that place. Or, you know, if it happened in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Dallas or wherever, anywhere who's not there, would you would not have that solidarity. It would be, oh, that looks like a bunch of white people got killed. Oh, they killed a whole bunch of Yankees. Oh, they killed – looks like they killed a bunch of Jews. No one would care because we're so balkanized to begin with. But then if you remove the human cost of it – yeah, I, I, I've been to the Twin Towers before they, obviously, before they crumbled, but uh, no big loss. It was a big, ugly glass, you know, two big, ugly glass towers. Who gives a shit? It's not, you know, it's not the Cathedral of Notre Dame. It's not, you know, any anything that you'd find in, you know, in Europe that still uh, has survived. It was, it's, you know, or, you or know, even the, if it was the Chrysler building in, in New York, I would actually be more upset. You know what, you know what? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. It was the last time that white people felt any feelings for a large building being destroyed. White people in America, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that, and, and and it's the last time you'll ever see a solidarity uh, in America. I, I honestly, it, it, who would be upset if we woke up tomorrow morning and uh, some foreign power had nuked DC? Who would be ready to go to war over it? Nobody. That's who. No one would care. In fact, a lot of people would be like, "Oh, thank God, we're finally done with this. We can start our own course." Well, and that's a you know, Lupus Albus in the chat here says, "Yeah, if it happened today, I wonder what kind of I'm proud to be an American songs we would get today. We wouldn't get any. They would it would be it would be as schizophrenic as the society we live in now is, where you would have." You would have this weird amalgamation of about common humanity, but also they would be, you know, because the, you know, the right wing under 50 years of age has become so rapidly anti-American, increasingly so, you can't, you know, they want people in that, back in that aughts paradigm, but uh, that's not going back. <laughs> the, the right wing hates America. You can't, like, you, you, you can't change that right now. You can't just change that through a bunch of media. That's that's not possible. Because the conditions aren't there. Like you can't you can't totally ignore the material conditions. No, and and uh, as far as like just the, I mean, there used to be a joke going back to the the I guess it was the nineties. There was a joke that like uh, the New York Times, if if a meteor were to hit and, and destroy the Earth. If it was predicted to hit and destroy the Earth the next day, the New York te- headlines would be uh, "Meteor to Strike Earth: Women and Children Are Most Affected." And that mm-hmm. was because you know they they based so much of their their liberal and New York, slant New York, po- New, New, New York Post Michael Jackson hardest hit. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but it was because it was like instinctually felt that a lot of what drove the, the like the liberal agenda was like this overly this overly feminized concern for women and children. And, and and I guess to a smaller degree minorities because it was like a small minorities were a minority back then just 30 years ago um, more so than uh, this plurality hell that we live in now I, it, like you said it's schizophrenic it would be people it'd just be it, it, there would be no unified reaction at best and probably it would end up being kind of like the Las Vegas shooting as somebody pointed out in the chat. Uh, you know, here there was a, a situation where over fifty, what was it, fifty something, fifty six Americans, gunned down, and not only did they manage to memory hole it, but just the average American doesn't really care that it ever happened enough to even you know demand to find out what the motive was. It was I, just, would, yeah. I wouldn't be so surprised. Crazy, if t- I wouldn't be surprised if TV race for God even happened. <laughs> Hell, I have trouble remembering it. Yeah, don't. I, I, I actually, that's you know, here's the here's the third rail challenge for people. Just ask people, you know, do you remember, do you remember the Mandalay Bay shooting, and see how many of them actually remember it? Like you don't have, you don't have to use this as a springboard to talk about anything with them, especially if you don't feel like that's the, that's the you know the you know the the direction you want to take them. Just ask people you know, do you remember Mandalay Bay? I'm kind of curious, like how many actual people remember it now? That's a and especially if you you don't even say Las Vegas shooting, but the Mandalay Bay, that really will. You know, because then they'll be like, yeah, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So Mandalay Bay, then do Las Vegas shooting and just see how many, 
many people remember it. I'm I'm very I'm genuinely curious because it's. I talk about the TV race thing because I it's just it's such a separate way of being, and when you try to talk to people who are completely immersed in that media environment, it's extremely disorienting because it's just a different it's just a completely different reality they're inhabiting. Yeah, um, I think if you want any kind of a clue as to like both the the futility of them trying to generate that Americanism. In, in a post, you know, future attack, uh, you can look at what's happened with Afghanistan. You know, I've been trolling the fuck out of patriotards, and for the most part, uh, most of the, like you said, the, the right wing is beginning to hate America, and they, they don't give a fuck about Afghanistan. Um, the only people that uh, really st- still care anymore are like boomer uh, veterans. Even they don't care that much, but they'll be the ones who will like pop off online. And then, and there's a whole lot of uh, basically. I can't tell if they're retards or if they're like Jewish uh, psyop kind of a thing, trying to you know push the idea, you know, trying to reignite that whole. Well, the Taliban's the ones that uh, are the pedophiles, and they they're gonna do all these mean things. They're gonna execute women, and, and they're pedophiles, and basically you know, uh, saying about the Taliban everything that our quote unquote allies in Afghanistan were actually doing, trying to gin up some kind of outrage on our part. Oh, there's still Americans trapped there. Don't care. No one really cares. We certainly don't want to go to war over it again. And the people that you're trying to ignite about this, conservatives, ruralites, right-wingers, whatever, they especially want none of it. And that's got to scare the system, and I hope it does. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, it's, um, we're going into weird territory, especially in terms of right-wing politics, because they, they, they require a, a, a type of right-wing or a type of conservative in order to maintain that dichotomy. And, uh, they still have it. Don't. I'm. I'm not gonna throw out false hope to people. They still have their dichotomy, their fall. You know, their false choice system going on here. But uh, it is getting harder and harder for them. It, it's definitely like, right now. All they have is at least it's not that guy. That's all they have going for them. I honestly wonder if the future of um, igniting, you know, military fervor, uh, the people who to whom you wave the bloody shirt, to to gin up the support for, you know, some adventurism abroad, is not going to actually be the groups that in the past have been, you know, like anti-war, the the left. And I say that because, like, so very specifically, I saw like a series of. Uh, uh, this, I guess this was a little bit after uh, the August 31st official pullout in the, in the ensuing week. Uh, left-wingers, whether it was blue check marks or just randos, uh, saying things like, you know, you know what? I don't see anything wrong with exporting American liberal values. In fact, I want the army – I want it to be like Antifa with an army and navy. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that tweet. Yeah. Well, it, he, that but was he, a single he, tweet, but there were others that like similar – but yeah, he was, but he, was, that guy was like, also. If this helps you, you know, if this gives you any optimism. Like, they're even they're fractured because he was getting dragged by his by his cohorts in the quote tweets and the replies on that because just people like every literally literally everybody except that that niche you know you know adjacent centrist window hates the United States government. Yeah. Or they're so self-interested. Like um, you could still wave the bloody shirt in front of uh, white women about the quote-unquote abuse of women's rights in Afghanistan, 
And they'll still some of them will get ginned up. The feminists, you know, oh, what do you mean that those girls can't have abortion, can't learn how to read, blah blah blah, can't vote, can't hold office. Um, there's a small minority of white liberal women, feminist women, who will fall for that. But take that to to say black women, and talk about how Afghani women are about to be oppressed. All they're going to be like, mm-hmm. They ain't nothing to compare to the impression I've been dealing with. Or my people have been dealing with for 400 years. Who the hell you think you are? You know, this is that's going to be the reaction. This is actually why the system needs right-wing Jews in order for it to function, because mm -hmm. you have you have that liberal left. You know, I mean, to the extent that these terms mean anything, like this liberal and and left-wing aspect, they don't have the killer instinct or the will to fight. They'll they'll like, much like a lot of Americans, they'll bloviate, but fundamentally because they have to contain so many contradicting premises inside their heads they can't it leads them to basically inaction so that's why you need the right-wing jew in order to basically you know whip them into the war fervor that's how you got so many uh, democrats left-wingers and liberals on board with afghanistan war and, and iraq war and all all these military all these military adventures they needed basically jews in order to drive that because Left alone, they're just like all they're going to do is just virtual signal themselves to death. Yeah, even like that video of the um, that lesbian, that National Guard lesbian, talking about how if it's martial law, the gun's going to be pointed at you. I'm going to be pointing the gun at you. You better go in your house. It's like, um, yeah, you can get a few people like that, but you're not going to get that massive support. But it is why, increasingly, uh, you know, for when it comes to needing executive outcomes abroad, they are turning to to you know mercenaries. They are turning to because you can pay and, if you and, pay and, enough and, 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 to and white, the white warrior. He will, you know, be, often become a mercenary regardless of what the cause is. He just wants it, to fight a war. He wants to be a badass. And as everyone knows, relying on mercenaries always a good sign for an empire. Always a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> very, very positive, healthy sign for an empire when you when you have to rely on mercenaries. Yep. Nothing, no, big line going up. Nothing but going up. Uh, the the increased reliance on a secret army and on mercenaries by this American uh, pig American empire, uh, and knowing what we know about all the previous empires that did this, and then also knowing that just two years after the Soviet Union pulled out of Afghanistan, they officially collapsed. I'm like looking at my watch and going, 2023 cannot get here soon enough. <laughs> So we're talking about empires. You want to talk about the Ottoman Empire? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this is this is why I talk. I, I know it's become a meme with me that I talk about the Ottoman Empire a lot, but this is why I constantly talk about the Ottoman Empire and why I make comparisons to it. So I've been reading. I've been going through a lot of books on it. I finished Selim, um, uh, God's Shadow, which is about Sultan Selim. Uh, that one's. Okay, if you need kind of an intro to a lot of Ottoman Empire stuff, but it's very Reddit tier, and it's written by a Jew, and it's obviously written by a Jew, so that one's got a lot of problems. But I've been reading now Useful Enemies by Michael Page, which is a much more academic take on how the presence of the Ottomans influenced European thought for three centuries. It's a very good book. But there was a passage that was very, very striking to me uh, that he was talking about. He was, um, I forget who this guy was that he was, he was citing the writings, uh, his name was Botero. Uh, let me see what it is. 
wasn't wouldn't have been that Botero. Let me see here. Um, which which Botero was that? Uh, I don't remember what what the name what the name of this guy was. Unfortunately, his Probably last name was yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not that important. But so he's referring to the writings of a of an Italian named Botero who was analyzing the Ottoman Empire, and this passage very struck just stuck out to me. The Janissaries did interest Botero, however, in a different context. He was particularly concerned to analyze the methods of pacification and control that might be applied by a ruler to a refractory territory, whether newly conquered or otherwise. Here the problems faced by Spanish rule in the Netherlands were uppermost in his mind. Indeed, one of the main reasons he gave for engaging in international warfare was that foreign campaigns acted as safety valves, venting any turbulent tendencies in the direction of external enemies. By means of such warfare, the Ottoman sultans had not only increased their empire, but also kept their subjects peaceful. It was as a clever pacification measure, too, that the Devshirme system appealed to Botero. No one uh, one has ever exceeded the cunning of the sultans in making making themselves sure of their of their dubiously loyal subjects, for they deprive their Christian subjects of the strength of their young men, using them to fortify their own power. The Devshirme system was that system, by the way, where the Ottomans took Christian boys and, you know, utilized them, turned them into janissaries or bureaucrats for the Ottoman system and utilized them against Christian Europe. Basically, literally mm-hmm. taking... And they were, all, and they were yeah. often the most cruel yeah. in turn, right? Because they were, like, competing for the offices. Yeah. Yeah, they were they, they they were basically competing to become the you know the elite enforcers for the. Uh, in fact, actually, to the point that the Janissaries kind kind of function as their own entity that competing sultan. Because when a sultan died, all of his children who were all from different mothers, because the sultan the the sultan's heirs were all you know from concubines. All the half brothers had to fight. Basically, would end up fighting each other to whoever was going to control the empire. So whoever got whoever was case, able well, to appeal to the, it's not clear in case. This up. In case it's not clear to anybody, even I'm getting this. This is kind of a metaphor for where we are now. Yeah. And those those Janissaries, that's the uh, that's the the libtard whites or Tranissaries or Tranissaries who are competing to throw you under the bus to destroy you that yeah. hate you more than even the system itself because they want to show the system I'm a good one. You can trust me. I I can be trusted in the elite halls of power. Watch what I will, am willing to do to my own people, just to, to serve you, Master. And, well, That's, and also, and also, yeah. in the comparison of Trump to and Trump and Biden, uh, Trump didn't have the support of of the Janissary class. Biden did, because like that that was a common theme you saw in, this, in the Ottoman Empire as well as that you'd have these power struggles. Whoever got whoever had the Janissary support would come out on top, basically. Botero's main concern throughout his lengthy discussion of how to treat disloyal subjects was with heretics, especially Calvinists who, since they have no doctrinal justification, will defend their sect with arms just like the Muslims. His advice was was that such subjects should be systematically humiliated and debased, deprived of weapons, if necessary, transferred en masse to other areas, and impoverished by heavy taxation. Mutual distrust should be stirred up among them by secret agents. Their prominent families should be prevented from intermarrying, and their leaders should be disinherited or, or transported. All gatherings should also be forbidden. After all, did not the sultan prohibit the ringing of church bells throughout his dominions? Yeah. 
And that was the lesson that a 16th century European took from how the European, from how the Ottoman Empire succeeded, gained strength, and governed was to enact these measures. And for most of its reign, the Ottoman Empire was a minority population ruling over a majority population. It was minority Muslim ruling over a majority Christian population, and then eventually the its ranks of Jews swelled and. They had a lot of power within the Ottoman Empire as well. Uh, and eventually they were able to turn the Christian population to a majority Muslim population, but that was through losing territories, conversions. Um, this was a long century thing that couldn't any change that ended up happening, but they had to be able to rule over majority population for a long time. And that's the way that the, how the Europeans uh, examined it. That's what they saw as the way that they succeeded. It's a lot to consider. Yeah, I, I, you almost wonder. It's like, how much did did the Jews take notes? Were the Turks taking notes from the Jews? Were I mean, because this is a, uh, it was pretty the clever. Ju- the, ju- the, ju- the, ju- the Jews were always there. <laughs> wait, the Ottoman wait, the Turks the, were the, Jews. Always, the, always, the, always well, no, the, have been. <laughs> the Ottoman Empire was always guided by Jews. Always has been. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. There's a, there's a lot of st- like the, the 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 actually the early history of the Ottoman Empire is a little bit murky in terms of their of their initial origins, uh, and Jews have always been with them. To what level that they had influence is questionable. It is, I mean, but basically, just just assume that they probably had a hand in a lot of the, a lot of the early stages of it. At least, I mean, it was enough to the point that when 1492 occurred and the Jews were expelled from Spain, uh, was it which one was it? 1492 would have been. It wasn't Salim. It was his father. It was his father Bayezid. He welcomed all the Jews with open arms into the Ottoman Empire to come to the point that they they swelled. Um, Salonika, which is Thessaloniki, to the point that they became the. That was the only time that, uh, until modern day, that a city had a majority Jewish population. Salonika, which is Thessaloniki, had a majority Jewish population because the, the Jews were welcome to the Ottoman had Empire. A very troubled history in the last seventy or eighty years. <laughs> With the, uh, the the number of Jews coming out of there lying about the uh, the Holocaust, including. Who, the CEO of Pfizer? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. There were like Thessaloniki until the Germans marched in was an extremely Jewish city. Not a Jewish city anymore, but it was a very Jewish city. So it's not. I wonder for nothing, what happened. <laughs> it's not for nothing that uh, that a lot of these capos were were uh, Thessaloniki Jews. It's like it, this reminds me of a tweet, like literally from like ten years ago or something like that. Some some uh, Jewish girl was visiting Germany, and she was like, "I can't seem to find a lot of Jewish boys here in Berlin. I wonder why." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why myself. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's just that that passage just stood out to me so much. This is why I, I talk about the Ottoman Empire all the time because. Whatever the reasoning is, they figured out that's the best way to rule to, for a minority to rule over a majority population and demographically change it. Uh, Ottoman Empire was the template for all of that, and that's why you're seeing these patterns repeat. That's why I always go back to these 
comparisons and it becomes it's sometimes it's hard to get a good book on it because honestly the ottoman empire is largely neglected in a lot of historical studies it's just not it's such a strange time it's such a strange place and such a strange time period to western minds and that's actually why useful enemies is a good book because he basically shows how the europeans grappled with that problem with the, with the ottoman problem but given like looking back now it just becomes so obvious like this was the template this is what yeah this is this is the type of environment that jews felt comfortable in the the jews did very well in the ottoman empire and this is brought up time and time again in ottoman history so why wouldn't they try to recreate those conditions? And so it's going to be interesting if the Chinese will ever take note because that's going to be the next target for all this. I'm just wondering, yeah, because if we had, I mean, if, if their culture was touching ours, if the Ottoman Empire, which interacted so much with Europe and was such a problem for Europe, if even we have not, you know, properly studied it, um, the Chinese can be fucking blindsided. I think, no matter how well, think, you know, the, how far ahead they usually well, think things. It depends. It, it it fundamentally comes down to what, how the elites of China are thinking. And that's really hard to know. Uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm not say. I'm not going to say one way or the other how things are going to pan out. I know people talk about the BlackRock being present in China, but I mean, China has never been in China. Like China is very suspicious of internal isolationism because of the amount of times that's led to them being dominated and humiliated. Um, the hundred years, you know, the, the center of humiliation looms very large in their political methodology. So they're going to allow a level of finance into the country because they, they're going, their reasoning is going to be, we can control that. We can contain that. If you look throughout the history of China and its various dynasties, it's always been about how to, how, how, how to basically pay off the external threats and how to manage the internal threats and how how to strengthen the you know the internal core elite and that's a very simplified way of talking about it but that's the way china approaches things I, when people try to apply an ideological lens to china china's communist china's fascist china's national socialist china's this china's that it's like china's china that's what china is yeah. it's they they've never they have not fundamentally changed as a people they are who they've always been. And you look at the various turmoils and upheavals that have happened in China. It remains to be seen what China's future is going to be. But two things that guide China are that China has always been China. And they don't want another century of humiliation. At least that's not what uh, that, that at least that's what the, their elites try to signal. Now, how that's going to pan out. Because you have these weird, you have all these different disparate elements. Yeah. Like you have the history, you ha you do have the, you do have the Jewish involvement in the, in the communist foundation of the, of the of the country. But that's arguable to what extent that still has an impact to this day. You have Black BlackRock in China, which is arguable to what what impact they have. These things are there. They're worth discussing. They're worth exploring. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Um, you got any others burning a hole in your pocket? Because I'm I'm actually getting a little bit uh, wiped right now. No, we can Tired. we can we, we can head out if you want. Okay. Um, 
and that's the whole idea here is that we we don't want to create another burden that's going to make us both hate podcasting even more than we already do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's all the usual plugs. We want to thank uh, the over two hundred and fifty. Uh, Live listeners, despite a, a late Tuesday night, um, you know all the usual places we wanted you to go to. Um, the, the websites, it's all in the show notes. Um, and you can join us at the TRS Radio Network every week behind the paywall uh, for premium content, $10 a month, or maybe it's 12 I don't know what it is now. It's the right stuff.biz slash paywall. It's worth it. But uh, anything you want to say before we get out? No, it was it was fun. It was fun doing this. Anytime you want to do it again, let me know. It's, I takes me. It, it I think we're gonna do it. We want to figure out a way to do this once a week, just for yeah. the fun of it. Yeah, maybe once every other week. Whatever you want to do. You let <laughs> us know in the chats in Bang. Let us know if you enjoyed this, because that's gonna also drive this a little bit. As much as Borzoi has contempt for the audience, I balance it out with love for the audience. So we're kind of neutral on you people. So no, you gotta I, tell us I, what I, you no, want. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna be clear. I love the silent majority. It's when you guys have opinions, I have problems. <laughs> nice. All right. The, the, um, the, well, only, the, the only thing, the only thing worse than a woman talking in the five paragraphs before a recipe is a commenter. <laughs> uh, seconded, based, and seconded. All right. Uh, well, join us every. Uh, I guess that's it for this week, or at least for tonight. Uh, join us this weekend for the full crew. Probably Saturday or Sunday. We'll let you know. You know where to find us on Telegram. But uh, I guess that's that's all I have. Mr. Producer, hail victory. See ya, Kyle.